Welcome to the Location Indie Podcast, an unfiltered, behind-the-scenes, no-holds-barred look at the realities of the location-independent lifestyle from two guys who are living that lifestyle. I'm Trav. And I'm Jason. We're the co-founders of Location Indie. And you may have noticed there was no timer in this episode, Trav. Yes, that's because once a month, we're going to be rolling out a very special bonus episode for you where we're highlighting one of our Location Indie members and their story of how they became location independent. We're going to be doing that today. So let's get into it. As you mentioned, each person's location independent journey is unique. We all have our own creative approaches to business, to travel, and how we blend everything together to manifest our ideal lifestyle. And one of the things that inspires me and Jason and the rest of LI community every day in and out is when we see Location Indie community members consistently taking action towards their goals and leaning on the community along the way for support and advice while also giving back. Each month, we highlight one member who's putting in the work it takes to make things happen, not only to recognize their efforts, but also so we can learn from their wins and setbacks. And that's why I'm so excited this month to welcome our Location A member of the month, Rachel Story. Rachel, congratulations and a huge welcome to you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. And Rachel is one half of the Grateful Gypsy. So yes. before we even get started into your whole journey, tell people what it is that you're doing right now. Like, what is the thing that you got going on? How can they find you? How can they learn more about what you're, what you're doing? Uh, we have a lifestyle and travel blog, gratefulgypsies.com. Uh, and when we launched it, it was just like a general sort of travel website. But as time has gone on and the website has evolved, it's just sort of followed like our path uh, as just people. Um, and now we have a big focus on um, teaching English abroad. And we also have a section about uh, digital nomad lifestyle. So those are the three main areas that we're focusing on right now. Digital nomad lifestyle, teaching English abroad and travel tips. There are some other sections of the website like live music, because uh, that's our passion in life. That's how we met. That's what we love doing. Um, and then also there's a whole section for just like musings because it is still a personal blog, uh, you know, so we still want to write our own opinion about different topics and things like that. But yeah, primary focus, digital nomad life, teaching English abroad and travel tips. Awesome. And so we're going to get into how you came up with those three things or, or how it how it happened that those were the things that you focused on in, in just a little bit. But I want you to take us like way, way, way back before Grateful Gypsies, as far back as you want to go, what was the motivation to becoming location independent? What did the lifestyle for you look like before you were hanging out in Brazil, going to like three different carnival um, experiences, which we're going to touch on in a second too? What was quote unquote regular life back in the day? Well, I graduated from university in 2008. I went to a tiny little school called Appalachian State University. Uh, it's in uh, Boone, North Carolina. And my hometown is not far away. I'm from East Tennessee, a small town called Johnson City. It's sort of under a rock. Like, it's a very sheltered place, very small. And when I first learned about the sort of like hippie counterculture movement, I thought it was a thing of the past, that there was no such thing anymore, and that it only lived in museums. 
and then when I went and took a tour of uh, the the Appalachian State campus, there were hippies everywhere. So I was like, this is where I need to be. I don't care like what I have to major in to get me there. This is my this is my place. This is where I need to be. Um, and so I really just wanted to go to school there for the atmosphere. And uh, music has always been a part of my life. I started playing piano when I was six. I started playing trumpet when I was 11. I was in marching band in high school all four years and even my first year of college. My dream when I was younger was to be like a famous singer songwriter. But as time went on and I attempted to do that, I realized like just how hard it is. And also I'm just like a naturally nervous person. So I would have piano recitals and I would get up on stage and be so nervous that I would completely forget everything. So I decided, okay, being a performer is not for me, but I still love the music and I understand the effort that it takes to get there. So I'm a great fan. I will be your number one fan. I'm really good at like getting the word out about the music and telling other people how awesome it is. So I decided that that was my role uh, in music was to be a fan because every band needs a fan, right? They yeah. can't exist without their fans. So then I decided to major the the fancy name for term is basically just music business. Um, so I was still a music major. I thought to take theory classes and play my instruments. But then I also had like business related classes and then I had a business minor. Uh, and then I graduated in 2008 at the height of the economic recession. So I put massive efforts into finding a job. Um, it didn't work out. But what did work out was I had to do an internship to finish my degree. And I did it with this really tiny company in Atlanta that put together uh, volunteer teams at music festivals where you could volunteer at the festival in exchange for your ticket. Um, and so I did that for a summer and I was sort of like supervising the volunteer teams. I went to like four or five different music festivals doing this internship. And that's where I met my tribe, so to speak. That's where I met Sasha. That's where I met all my friends that I still keep in touch with now. And um, so I feel like my life sort of like took off from there. Um, and so I guess like I never really had like a normal life per se, um, because uh, after I met Sasha, so he moved to China like a month after we met and we were just like keeping in touch online and stuff. And I was just working like a waitressing job, kind of just biding time until he came back from China. And then when we came, when he came back, we spent an entire summer going to concerts and music festivals together. And it was after that that I finally started trying to find a job. And so I just decided with my degree and being from Tennessee, Nashville was probably the best option. So I bought a pantsuit. I went to Music Row and started passing out my resume everywhere. Uh, and long story short, after about three months, I finally got an interview at like a management agency. And um, because the economic situation was so bad in the States at that time, that entry level position ended up going to someone who had held a much higher position and had been laid off. Um, so at that point, I was just ready to give up. And it was seeming more and more that maybe the music industry wasn't for me. 
because uh, it's really aggressive and sort of like cutthroat. And I just that, that's not me. I'm not that kind of person. So Sasha had really enjoyed his time teaching English in China and really wanted to go back and said, so I said, okay, let's go. And then in 2010, we moved to Beijing to teach English and we lived in Beijing for three and a half years. And it was while we were there, um, the first time we went to Bali, actually, Sasha kind of like had this epiphany, like, why do we have to go back to Beijing? And I was like, well, you know, because we have jobs, we have an apartment, all this. And he was like, well, what if we didn't have those things? And I was like, well, I don't know. I never really thought about it. And he was like, let's just let's just quit. Let's just go travel. Let's quit our jobs. Let's get rid of our apartment. Let's go travel. And honestly, my initial reaction was like, no, <laughs> like I like my nice apartment. I like my cushy job. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized like how cool of a story it would be. And I was like, okay, fine, let's do it. And I guess that's when I really got bit by the travel bug was doing that first gap year. Uh, we went around parts of the States, uh, seven and a half months in Southeast Asia, and then um, parts of Southeast China. And then from there, we lived in another city in China called Kunming. It's uh, the capital city of Yunnan province. So from there, we moved to Bali. And that's officially where our LI journey started, because Sasha actually got to do this program for free and got a stipend. Um, and we had enough money saved from teaching in China that we were okay for a while. But it's really hard for foreigners to find a job in Bali. You have to have some special skill um, that Balinese people can't do. And, you know, the Indonesian government has made it this way so that these jobs go to Balinese people, which, you know, fair enough. Those jobs should go to them. Uh, and so while I was in Bali, I had heard about teaching online and I managed to find the company that I'm teaching online for now, VIP Kid. And so I found that job and I've been teaching for them ever since. And that's what allowed us to go location independent. But it was honestly that moving to Bali that sort of gave me that push to like find that job. Because if not for that, I probably would have just continued living in China and just teaching in schools there. I, I love that. Well, a few things in there. One, I love that uh, he was like, what if we didn't have to do this? And you're thinking like, what, that, like it didn't even compute to you at first, no, right? With this idea that you, that you couldn't have a job, but similar thing to me when I was living in Japan, I thought this is cool. Like I'm glad I'm in another culture. It's fun. I like teaching English here, but I don't want someone to tell me I have to be here, you know? And, and so similar to Sasha's where it's like, I went to uh, also Southeast Asia. We were in Thailand and that's when I thought, okay, like Japan, cool, but I'd rather be able to go where I wanted. And for some reason, I don't know, unlike you guys, I didn't think about teaching English online. I, same time frame. We were there 2010, 2012, but it never resonated with me, I guess. I, I remember um, my buddy was in Rio and he was like, I can get you a job here teaching, pays like 55,000 US dollars a year. Like you get all your summers off, you get a house on Ipanema Beach. And I remember thinking, no. And I was like, if you're not going to accept that job, then you cannot work for anyone else again, right? Yeah, so right. a similar, I think Sasha and I kindred spirits there where I just was like, <laughs> this is about as good as it gets and I'm still not willing to do it. And then that forced me to, to look elsewhere. So for you, you talked about a bunch of the transition points. One, going to Bali and realizing, hey, this is okay. And Sasha kind of being the one to move that forward. 
what were some of the obstacles that you faced doing that? Like, were there times where you thought, hey, we're going to, like, this isn't going to work out for whatever reason? Mm, well, those obstacles didn't really start showing up until we came here to South America because I found the online teaching job like two weeks or so before we left Bali. And when we left Bali, we just went back to the States and stayed there for like seven and a half months. But like we, we still weren't living anywhere. We were like traveling around the States, seeing music, visiting friends and all that. And um, Sasha has always had a freelance blogging job. And so that, you know, offset our daily costs when we were doing our big gap year. Uh, and that was fine. And then even when we left the States, we just went to Mexico and we, so there was never any point where we thought this might not work, but there were points where we realized we need to change our travel style in order for it to work. Because uh, when we were doing our gap year, the longest we would stay in one place was seven days. And at that time, it seemed like a really long time. And so when we left the States and went to Mexico, we were, we were trying to travel with that same sort of style. We were staying somewhere for a week. And then we realized pretty quickly with um, teaching and doing all the other work we were doing and also wanting to see the places we were visiting that a week wasn't really long enough. So we said, okay, we need to really slow it down, draw it back. And that's better for a lot of reasons. It's more expensive when you're go, 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 go. But also you can really dig into a place and really get to know the people and the culture when you spend a longer time there. What brought along the idea that you wanted to then start a travel blog as opposed to, like you said, Sasha's freelance writing and then you were and then you were teaching English online? What made you say, all right, we want to start a blog or something that hopefully we could monetize that's a little different than trading, you know, time for money, which is essentially what you're doing when you're teaching English and when you're freelancing for someone else? Right. We actually launched the blog uh, in 2013, right before we set off on our gap year with the idea that we could use it to get free hostel stays, hotel stays and stuff like that on our gap year because Sasha had already been blogging for a company that makes language learning software. It's called Transparent Language and they use WordPress. So he already had a pretty good idea of how to use WordPress and so we launched a WordPress blog, um, but I don't think either of us realized the amount of time and effort that it <laughs> takes to build up a blog. So <laughs> our original goal of like using it to do stuff for free on that uh, initial gap year trip didn't work out. <laughs> um, but, but then we had the blogs. So we started um, blogging our story about our gap year. And that's how we started to build up the blog. But then when we went back to China and we were teaching again, that was taking up a majority of our time and we didn't really have time to focus on it. And it was about halfway through our year in Kunming that Sasha found out about the Paradise Pack. And the whole reason we that was included in, in that year's period, when he got accepted into the program in Bali, I said, okay, I'm just going to take the money that I've saved from teaching here and I'm going to hang out in Bali and learn how to blog. 
And I made that my mission once I left China to um, grow the blog. And uh, it was even though we had already launched it, it was kind of like starting from scratch because I didn't like the way it looked. Uh, so first I needed to pick a theme um, and I needed to learn how to customize that theme and I needed to figure out how to use WordPress. And it was a very, very steep learning curve. But um, thanks, thanks to the Paradise Pack, honestly, uh, and all of the other blogging resources that are out there, I was able to figure it out. But I will say the one good thing about launching a WordPress blog and then not really promoting it and not really having many people look at it is like you can do anything to it. And it doesn't really a learning experience. So that was the nice thing about Bali and not working there was I was able to just like play around with our site and figure out how to use WordPress. But I ended up not being able to put as much time as I would have liked into it because I was in Bali. <laughs> Enjoying the life. Yeah. Right. Right. Just I just wanted to go enjoy Bali. And also because when we lived in China, no one came to visit us. <laughs> and, you know, so I understand why. But yeah, we lived there for five years and had like one visitor in that entire time. We lived in Bali for nine months and had like 20 visitors. There was like a solid like three or four month stretch where we just had like nonstop visitors. So we were just playing hosts all the time. And so it was a lot of fun, but it, you know, it took up time. And so, right. What were the few things that you did differently this, this second time when you kind of restarted your blog that you didn't do before that you said, Hey, this made a, a much bigger impact for this actually being something that's now successful. I bought a premium theme and paid for support. Um, so what I did when we were in Bali was I learned how to use, well, I learned how to use the customizer part of WordPress, which is where you can make changes to the front end of your site and you can see the changes as you're making them. And so then once I learned how to use that, when I was shopping for a premium theme, I was looking for themes that said uh, you could use customizer to customize it, basically, because not all themes make that possible in WordPress. So that was the number one thing that I was looking for. And I was also looking for themes that provided really good support. Um, and so I purchased that premium theme and then I paid extra to get the support and because I already knew how to use the customizer, I was able to just, I mean, it, it took a solid, you know, seven days of, of work to get it looking the way that I wanted, wanted it to look. But because I already knew how to do it and because I had the support from the makers of the theme, it went a lot faster than it probably would have otherwise. If your site doesn't look good, no one's going to look at it. <laughs> How did you then decide, like you said, you, you now focus on teaching English abroad um, or online mm -hmm. on the digital nomad lifestyle and then also tips and tricks for traveling. I kind of, hey, here's what we've learned on the road. Um, how did you decide what your focus was going to be or did the focus pick you? Like, was there a, was there a very dis decision where you guys sat down like, all right, here's what we know. Let's focus on this. Or was it like, oh, these are the questions we're getting asked by everyone. M maybe this, if, if we harness this and focus this, we're going to be able to gain a little more traction. Uh, it, the focus picked us definitely. Um, when I redesigned our site, I was trying to choose our categories and it was just all, you know, general travel based stuff. 
like Sasha's really good at planning our travel. So that was one of our categories, travel planning. Um, and one of them was live abroad because that's what we had done. Uh, I realized that's not what we were doing. We were digital nomads and that I had more uh, information to offer about that. So that category should be digital nomad life rather than live abroad. And we also got a ton of questions about teaching English abroad. So um, I started an interview series called ESL Around the World, where I interview people who have taught in another country. And it's a, a series on the blog. And um, we also came to this uh, focus because our tagline is improvise your life. Um, to explain that, I should also explain the name. Um, we are really big fans of the Grateful Dead, the band and their music. So that's where the grateful in Grateful Gypsies comes from. And we, we live a nomadic lifestyle. And so that's where the gypsies come from. And the, the music that we love most that is played by the Grateful Dead and our other favorite bands, a lot of it is improvised. You know, they make it up as they go along which is kind of how we've been living our lives up to this point. We've just been improvising it and making it up as we go along. Uh, and so I realized that I could give uh, readers some tips for how to also improvise their life. And the way we have gotten to the point where that we're at now is by teaching abroad. And, um, I personally think that's a great way to start your LI lifestyle because it'll give you a taste of, you know, living in a different country and it'll expose you to other cultures without the fear of supporting yourself with your own business. You know, you can go and teach for a school and get used to that and get used to earning a paycheck uh, and that and the responsibility that comes with that. And so that's why we're huge um advocates for teaching abroad. And then that can lead into teaching online, which gives you a, can, will allow you to have a location independent lifestyle. Yeah. I love that because it's basically, you're taking little steps, right? You're like, all right, mm -hmm. you're going to move abroad and that's going to be a crazy transition in its own right. So let's not throw something else on top of that. Figure that out understand how teaching works, kind of get your feet wet with that if you haven't taught before or anything like mm -hmm. that. And then it comes, all right, now you're feeling that I don't want to be at a school. I want to be location independent. Hey, you've already got that skill. Now try to make it on your own. And and what I do think is cool with, with that also, um, and I think you would agree then, Rachel, is that you're still working for a company. So like even with VIP kids, yes, you're getting your own students and things like that, but you're not completely on your own, right? Like you're not, no. you know that they're going to bring people in that, that, you know, there's a place that you can go to get work versus, mm -hmm. Hey, I'm trying to build a business that I have to figure every little facet of it out myself, which can be very, very daunting. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's one of the good things about VIP kid is like they have that security, um, there's sort of that mediary, like you're definitely going to get paid and you're definitely going to continue to have students to teach. And, you know, so those are the two biggest things with teaching online. I would like someday to have my own online teaching business. And I would also like to someday create a course to help people, uh, you know, get to this point of, you know, teaching English abroad and then teaching English online. And, and those are my long-term goals. But for now, I'm enjoying the um, 
flexibility and security that I get from VIP kid. Yeah. What has been for you then the, the biggest things that have helped you sustain the location independent lifestyle? Cause like we said, you know, it was a step by step by step and there wasn't any crazy obstacles for you guys. Cause you kept saying, and you guys are pretty laid back. It seems um, about like, Hey, we're not super worried about stuff. Let's just listen to music. Let's hang out, you know? Um, but what were the, what are the biggest factors for this to be something that you've been able to continue to do now for years and not have it be something that, all right, this was fun for a year or half a year or whatever. And now I'm going back to, to something that I don't want to do. Like you just keep progressing on a path, even if it might be slower than you want, you keep progressing on a path over and over that's leading you towards the end goal, which is the, some of the things you just mentioned. I think the number one thing is creating a budget and sticking to it. Um, and I'm quite fortunate. I think Sasha's calling in life was to be an accountant <laughs> and he's really good at crunching numbers. So that's, that's the number one thing I would say is create a budget, stick to it. And what Sasha does is he plans out about how much we're going to make each month. And he looks at a lot of different accommodation options, uh, transportation options, and, you know, crunches all those numbers together and figures out how it's going to be feasible. Um, and the second thing I would say is having a plan. Uh, and I actually wrote a blog post about this because we went from a backpacker style travel to digital nomad style travel, and they're quite different in many ways. Uh, and it was honestly a tough transition. Um, one of the biggest perks of backpacker style travel is being totally spontaneous and arriving in a place you meet new friends at the hostel and they say, oh, we're going to go here. You're like, oh, I want to go there too. And so you do it. You go there and it's fine. And it's very spontaneous. You're kind of planning things, planning things as you go. But when you are earning money on the road and the, the job that you have heavily relies on good internet, which, you know, teaching online does, um, you, you really need to have a plan. Uh, so you, you need to set a time, a lot of, you need to set aside a lot of time to make that plan. We spend a lot of time messaging Airbnb hosts to, even if they have instant book, we always message first to ask about their internet speed because we need to know that we can arrive there and be able to do our jobs. Otherwise we can't stay there. Um, and that's one of the biggest downfalls I would say of, trying to be a digital nomad as an online English teacher is running into internet issues. Um, so those are the two biggest things I would say, budget and planning and have good Wi-Fi. Yeah, I, it, it is interesting. I love that you made the distinction between backpackers and digital nomads because one is essentially a, tra a traveler and that's it, right? Like you your main goal is to travel and you just go where you want, you do what you want. Maybe you have stuff saved up and you just you know, you have a budget and when it's gone, it's gone. Right. And mm -hmm. the other is you, you have a job now. It might be a cooler job than your friends and it might be a better job than you've had before, but essentially you have a job of saying, I, I have to make money and here's how I'm going to make it. And in order to do it, I have to make sure certain things are set up. Usually for most of us, it's the internet. That's like priority one, two, three, and four. Um, right. and if, if there's <laughs> nothing else and there's no roof over your head, you could put like your hood up and as long as you have internet, you could work. Right. But um, it, it, right? it is, but it is, a there's, there's certain responsibilities that come with it. And I think that that is something that a lot of times people, 
struggle with. They struggle with the transition and they also don't think it'll be any different. I'm speaking from experience where you're like, well, I'm just going to travel and work. It's like, well, before you were just traveling and that was hard enough or working and they're both hard and now you're combining them and you think it's going to be easier? Probably not. Um, No. All right. We've talked about your, you're building this location independent lifestyle. You've been able to do it fairly, like fairly successfully, very successfully on your terms. And to a point where you're like, I, I just appreciate this. We didn't have any major obstacles. What do you see as being kind of the pinnacle or what are you looking to try to reach and where are you looking to try to be in the next year or two with your journey? So now that you asked me that question, I think that sort of is the obstacle is I'm not really sure. Uh, the, the future is, is really hard to predict right now. One thing that I have realized with teaching online is that at least with VIP Kid, it's a great job if you just want to go live in another country. It's perfect for that. Um, but if you want to have it as a digital nomad job, I think it's better if you have a decent amount of savings and then you're um, doing the teaching to sort of offset your daily costs because um, we've been doing it a- as our sole source of income. We don't really have a ton of savings because we were just anxious to like try it out and get on the road. And we said, oh, we can do it. It's fine. We'll just go. And we're making it work. You know, we're doing it. Um, we're, we're staying afloat, but it is stressful. So our plan was to uh, head to Europe from from South America. We're going back to the States in April. And then our plan was to head to Europe. Um, but um, in trying to plan that part of the trip, it just got really stressful because Europe's expensive, <laughs> especially Western Europe. And then you have to worry about, you know, the amount of time that you spend in the Schengen zone. You know, as Americans, we only get 90 days. Then you have to leave for 90 days before you can go back. And that part was really starting to stress us out. So what we decided to do is just go back to Puerto Vallarta for six months, at least, because the last place we stayed there before we left to come to South America is amazing. Like it's up on a hill. It's got a beautiful ocean view. uh, And the owners are really cool. They're also like old hippies. Like, you know, they like the same music as us. So we get along really well. And they offered us a really great price uh, for six months. And, you know, we just couldn't say no to it. And it's, it's honestly lifted like a huge burden. So like, rather than feeling like we have to figure out Europe right now, now we can go and relax in Puerto Vallarta and slowly figure it out while we're there. Um, for our travel blog, our theme for this year is the year-long party. Um, if anyone's interested, we wrote an entire blog post about what we're going to do. But essentially, this year is 10 years since we first met and sort of not since we've been together, but since we first met and to sort of like celebrate, um, we're doing the year long party where every month we're going to try and hit either like a big cultural event, a festival or just a party. Um, we started out the year in Valparaiso, Chile for New Year's because they have the biggest fireworks display in South America. And we were just at Carnival, uh, which is I'm going to go out on a limb and say one of the biggest parties in the world. And it was crazy. Like, I think it's going to be hard to top Carnival the rest of the year. But then um, you've got 10 more months, though. You've got 10 more months. Yes, we have 10 more months to figure out. I think we've got about half the year figured out. 
And Sasha is still going to go to Europe because he's got World Cup tickets. So that's the party for June. But the second half of the year, we don't quite have it figured out yet. So if anyone has any ideas that you want to toss our way, we're flexible. If, if anyone's throwing a party bigger than Carnival, let Rachel know and she'll come to your place. <laughs> please, please let me know. <laughs> I, I love that. And I am, that, that's so cool. And I think that a lot of us, no matter where you are in the LI journey, I think so many people can take such an important lesson away from, from you and Sasha's experience of just the story you tell of like, all right, Europe was going to be expensive, it was stressing us out. And we just decided we didn't have to do that. I think a lot of times we set these parameters on ourselves because either we want to hit certain business goals or we're going to hit certain number of countries or we just think we should go to this place or that place for whatever reason. You know, it's in our head. This is what's happening. And then you can step back and say, wait a second, does it have to happen? Or is this just me putting like huge amounts of pressure on myself for something that I think needs to happen, but really doesn't? And then if it doesn't have to happen, go to Puerto Vallarta for uh, six months and hang out, right? Um, yeah, I think, exactly. I think that's just a cool, a cool lesson that everyone, no matter where you are, can take away from and say, yeah, let's look at whether it really has to happen or whether it's me forcing the issue when maybe the issue doesn't need to be forced. Maybe I should just appreciate where I am at this point and take it easier and slow it down and figure it out as I go and go, you know, going back. I think that's a big thing with travelers. Like they don't want to go back to where they've been sometimes because, Oh, I've already been there. Sometimes that's can be so much nicer because you have been there. And so you're not having to figure it out all over again. Exactly. And that's something that Sasha and I have both struggled with. Like it was a big part of our gap year. We would stay somewhere and we would really like it and be like, okay, but we need to move on and we can't go back there because we've already been there and there are so many other places to go. And it's something that like we started to do on this trip in South America. But yeah, once we finally said, you know what, we're just going to go back to parts of Arta because we really like it there. We have friends there. It's chill. It's laid back. As soon as we both decided that, we were both like, yeah, like that's going to be great. And like, we're both really excited about it now. Yeah. Sometimes alleviating the stress is way better than what would actually happen if you go to that place that you think is so amazing, but is stressing you out. It's like, I just don't want to have to be stressed out about it. Um, yeah. That's, that's awesome. That is awesome. Remind people one more time where they should go to find out everything that you guys are doing. Our website is gratefulgypsies.com. Uh, that's G-R-A-T-E-F-U-L. I can't tell you how many people have said, I can't find you guys. And it's like, well, did you spell grateful correctly? <laughs> so the website's gratefulgypsies.com. And then we're also Grateful Gypsies across all social media. We've got a Facebook page, Instagram account, Twitter uh, Pinterest and YouTube channel. Sasha is actually a very skilled videographer. That's what he went to school for. So I would highly suggest people check out our YouTube channel. We have a whole video series called Streets, Beats and Eats, where we show you a cool place to hang out, a cool place to see music and um, where you can find delicious food in a specific place. Everything that you need to know. That's awesome. And guys, don't forget, if you're a member of LI, you can find Rachel inside of LI. Super active there, always giving awesome tips and tricks. And whether it comes down to music or whether we're talking about teaching English abroad or online, um, always awesome to have you in there, Rachel. And thank you for everything you do for the LI members and all the help that you've given people. It's really amazing. I just want to congratulate you one more time for being February 2018 LI Member of the Month. Thank you so much. And you know what? Thank you, Trav, for putting together this amazing community. 
Oh, well, it's my pleasure. The, the community is amazing because of the people who are in it, not always just because of the people who are running it, although I will take that as a compliment. So thanks. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today on our very special monthly bonus episode where we highlight a Location Indie member and their story. If you're interested in joining Location Indie and learning more about what goes on in our community, check us out at locationindie.com. You can hop on the newsletter and be the first to know when the community opens up again. We'll chat with you soon. See you next time. Peace.